Okay, let's, let's go on to what I want to do today. And before I start this, this is a, this is a difficult passage of Scripture. And I wanted to make sure we, we understand something before we go to this. Because I'm not here at all to try to beat you down. <laughs> Believe me, when I was doing this study, I have to look at myself. And anytime I look at God's word in myself, there's always a problem. <laughs> and, and you know what the problem is? It's not with his word. It's, it's never been when I read something and think, wow, that is incredible. You know, when I, when I read something and, and revelation comes to me, which it will do in any person's life, what the real problem is this, is me. How, how, do, I, how do I submit to this? How, how do I make this work in my life? Does anybody know what I'm saying? You read his word and you say, boy, that is good stuff. But, die. And then I have to know it's for me. But you know what? I can do all things. Through Christ, it gives me strength. I can fix myself. <laughs> People say, hey, get this one. Um, God only helps those who help themselves. Where's that? Now, you won't find that in the Bible. God will help those who say, help me. <laughs> let's, let's just be honest. When you read God's word and you see an area of your life that you need to improve, we all would do that. That's why it's there. That's to renew us and strengthen us. When you see that, just say, God, help me. Lord, I want, to, I, want to, I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient to you because I love you and I want to do as you say. So help me to see. Help my unbelief. Is that okay? Can we just be honest today? So let's be honest. Let's go into a section of scripture because it is personal. If we're going to get the victory, what has to happen first? It's got to happen here first. If I'm going to be victorious in my life, what must happen? I must be victorious over the things of me. And then I can be victorious of those of my family and the church and other things I'm with. But first, it's got to start with me. So let's just be honest. How many people, I, my, myself included, I want to be an overcomer. And I want to overcome me. I, I want this to shut down. I, I want this wrong thinking to stop. I want Christ to take over. The, I want to die to my flesh daily, like Paul would say, so that I can live by the Spirit of God, that I could do the things he's called me to do. And the Spirit will lead me to truth. I want the Spirit going this way. I want to go with the Spirit to truth rather than go, oh, I don't know if I can do that. How can I improve my life? How can I be a renewed person if I don't follow his word? His word is lovely. His word is perfect. So let's, can we do this together today? Are you willing to be are you willing to open up for God to look deep? Are you willing to say, God, I need you today? If you're willing to say that, then we can go on. If not, I'm sorry, you'll be a little uncomfortable because this is where it is. We are, theme scripture is this. We know this. For whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith, okay? Let's start there. By faith, we are calm. So let's get personal here. First is come in relationship. First thing I want to do is this. Relationship with the Father. That's what we talked about today in Psalm 139. Relationship with our Father first. Can we do that? Can we say we need him before we can do anything with us? <laughs> him first. Let me get my relationship right with him. This is what born again means. Right with God. If I'm right with him, then I can walk according to his goodwill. Is that true? Absolutely. So let's go into this. James 4. How many people know James is pretty tough? James is not a book you pick up lightly. James is one that you say, okay, I really want to change. Pick it up and get ready. Buckle in. 
<laughs> because you're going to need it. And when the word of God took me to James 4, I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is not going to be easy. Everybody knows that James is not an easy book, but we need to learn. James is pretty good about doing self-reflection. So let's read. Verse 4. You adulterous. Anybody adulteresses in here? <laughs> I don't want to think that. You adulteresses. Do you not know that fellowship with the world is hostility to God? Therefore, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world renders himself an enemy of God. Now, that's pretty clear. Does anybody see a, a gray area there? Does anybody see an area that you can float, that you can say, I can walk this way. I'm not really with the world, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with God. And you can walk this way, and your relationship with Jesus isn't going to get any deeper. It's going to remain flat because you're avoiding God's call. You're avoiding his work. And so anybody here doesn't want I want to work. I want to improve myself. So if there are any, any joining to the world, I know that I'm making an enemy to God. If I'm embracing the things of the world by lust and envy, if I look at something and say, man, I wish I had, and I start to have my desire towards those things of the world, I will become an enemy of God. Now, that's the way it is. So I don't know about you. Does anybody here want to be on that side? Anybody want to be on the side of being an enemy? No, absolutely not. So we have to protect that which is valuable, and that is of the heart of man and what God has spoken into us. We must protect that and walk according to what that is. So let's go on. Then it says here in verse 5, Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to dwell in us yearns with envy? His spirit in you does not ever envy the things of the world. Ever. That means that spirit that God gave you as a gift is always wanting to do more for God, wants to be in relationship with God, and wants to love as God loves. That's what the, that's what the spirit gives to you. It is not a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. It's been handed to you when suggested Jesus, and it's going to guide you into truth. It's going to lead you into prosperity, not the prosperity gospel, but prosperity in Christ Jesus. And he's got so much to give. And yet we know if we do not submit, we're in trouble. Or scripture, how many people, scripture's true. And you'll never find the spirit he give you to ever envy those things of the world. And it says that the Holy Spirit that God has placed in us lust towards envy? Ever? No. Come in right relationship with him. Now, let's go on. James 4 goes to verse 6. But he who gives us more grace. How many people think grace is a good thing? <laughs> that's an awesome thing. Un I heard people say it's an unfavor. It's the favor of God that's not merited. You don't deserve it. It's favor he gives you. I don't know about you, but getting favor in your direction is always good. God's grace given to you is a magnificent thing. Paul would say this, I am nothing without God's grace. grace God's grace is all that I am. So I don't know about you. To me, this is important, but he gives us more grace. How many people want more? Mm -hmm. I'll take as much as he want to give me. I'll take it all because I know with grace, anything, nothing is absolutely possible for me. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Is it important for you to be a humble man and woman today? Yes. I'm, I'm not talking about a pushover. I'm not talking about you being, oh, humble means you just bow towards whatever. No, you don't bow to anything of the world. Nothing of the world you ever. You bow only to him and through his strength, mm, when I am weak, then I am strong. 
I'm telling you today, we are not to fall to the ways of the world. We may be in it, but we're not of it. So I'm telling you today, grace is a good thing. So he's given grace to those who are, so who's he looking for? He's looking for people that are humble. Humble means what? Bow before the majesty, knowing that he is all I need. I don't need anything. Whatever he wants to give me, I'll do. And submitting unto Christ and finding yourself all given his provision to you. You believe God can provide all your needs? Do you believe that you, you can trust in him with all of your heart? Is he going to direct you and lead you? Absolutely. His grace is given to those who humble themselves. It's important to be humbled mm, before him. And then, then it says in verse 7, submit yourselves. Now think about it. Take humble out of the last verse. Bring it forward. If I'm in humility, if I am truly humility, and you may think, well, what does that mean before God? Am I humble before him? Here's how you test it. I must submit myself then to God. So really, humility is what? Submission unto God, right? That's what it's telling us. So if I'm going to humble myself, I need to submit unto him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we talked earlier, what does it mean to resist the devil, and he will flee? Important stuff. You can resist the devil, do not resist an evil man. That's hard, right? If I need to resist the devil, okay, I can resist the devil, but not a person who does evil. He draws us to them, to love them. It's amazing. By his power, we are to do so. And then we take the word submit. We take it to the next verse. It says in James 4, verse 8, draw near to God. Someone's got someone's to hear this today. First of all, I humble myself and I submit unto him. Then what? Draw near to God. And what happens? Okay. I can't remain silent here. This is one of my favorite verses, one of many. This is what I hold fast to. If I want my relationship with Jesus to be strong, I want to know that if I come near to him, he will come near to me. He does not leave me or forsake me, but something changes here. You have to understand that I Draw near to him, and he shall draw near to me. Now, he doesn't leave me, forsake me. His spirit is within me. Think about what that really means. If he doesn't leave me or forsake me, and he lives in me, what does it mean to draw? And what does it mean when he draws near to me? So there's something that changes. There's something that happens when I submit under humility before my king. You see, if I want a great relationship with God, I've got to learn how to humble myself to him and submit to his ways. If I can do this, it says, then I can draw near to him. Man, some people are just afraid of what to do right. People are afraid of the consequences of doing what God says. There are people that are reluctant to release themselves, and they're so stuck in the world thinking. But I'm telling you, if you can get past that, if you can find yourself humbly before God, I mean, to humble yourself. I don't mean to push over here. I mean, humble yourself before God, the creator of the world, and then understand that if I homeless and I submit to his ways, to submission and obedience unto him, then I can come and I can draw near to him. And he will draw near to me. 
I don't know about you. I got children. They mess me up, okay? I was a tough man before. Now I'm a wimpy cushion, okay? Because I love my kids. You know what I'm saying? And so when I know they're in need, what do I want to do? If my child is hurting, what do I want to do? What's the first thing in me? It's to grab them and hold them. See, I understand that as a parent. I understand it as a husband. You see, there's something that happens in me. But here's what's so cool about this scripture. That if I want to climb up in my father's arms and I want him to hold me, which he does so well, and he does want to do it. But I just need to learn how to do what? I need to learn how to humble myself, to know that this can be prideful. This can do his own thing. This can, can think about hating someone or get angry some. This one wants to hold a grudge sometimes. And, and the way I think can stop me from being in his arms. You think about that. I want it. I, de- I, des- I desire it. But there's a way to draw near to him. And he promises to draw near to you. I don't know about you. That is an amazing thing. See, that's, that's the difference between God and heaven and my Father in heaven. And some of us need to know the Father in heaven. And so it says here, he would draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I always think, this thing here, if I could just shut it off at times, I wish there was a light switch, you know, and go up to somebody. Hey, quit thinking. You just turn the light switch off. Not going to pick on you today, but click. Okay, stop thinking. Wouldn't it be nice, even in yourself? <laughs> they can say, okay, I, I've done enough thinking about this. I've worried myself into a sick <laughs> frenzy here, and I don't feel good anymore. You know, everybody does that. You just reason, you're reasoning, and you're trying to come up with the right thing, and before you know it, you're just not, you know, just losing strength. You're, you're losing, you know, encouragement. You're just starting to fall into this, right? And so uh, it wouldn't be nice if it's just a light switch. Click, oh, there, it's gone. Now I can start to recover. So this double-mindedness, why we think one way and we do another. It's like, why do I think this way when I know this is right? We talked about this before. Right thinking, to think upon those things that are good and pure and lovely. And, and then I find myself in this thing. And why does it happen? Why can't I be just trusting that this is right and not falling over here in this place? Anybody been there before? Cleanse your hands, those things you put your hands to. Cleanse them because if the Father's ready to go near to you, and I thought this part because if I draw near to him, what is the process? Humble myself, submit unto him in, in, in obedience, and then it says, then I can draw near to him, and he will draw near to me. And I believe this, that if that happens, and I'm that close to him and he's got me, then he can expose some things that I need exposed in my life. You then, then cleansing your hands is not on your own. You see, he is that close to you that he's going to help you clean your hands of those sins because he wants that kind of relationship. He's not a God up here saying, you clean yourself up and you can come to me. You see, that cleansing of hands comes after you draw near to him. He draws near to you. You see, there's a process that happens first that when you're that close to him, he's drawn near to you. He doesn't hold it against you and say, hey, clean yourself up, and then you can come to me. He doesn't do that, you see. That's what we're used to hearing. 
That's what we're used to raising. Maybe your childhood's been like that. You clean yourself up, and then you can come unto me, right? You're a bad boy or a bad girl, and you, you, do you understand how bad you are? Now, now, come over here. I'll give you a hug. See, that's not how it works in God's economy. See, he allows you to draw. If you are submit yourself in, in humility towards him, he says you can draw. <laughs> Isn't that good news? You can draw close to him. And him to you, and you're that close, and he can hold you. And then he says, let me help you with your hands. Let me help you with those cleansing processes. That's the way it happens. That's my God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. It's not on your own. He does this. This is God in that moment that's critical in your life and my life. Those moments that he does this cleaning and processing and purifying. And then I feel like I've been lifted up because the things I was thinking about are gone. And now I'm relying on the things he's speaking into me. You see, there's a huge difference. Don't allow yourself to be caught in wrong thinking. Trying to clean yourself up. Well, you know, if I clean myself up, then, then I can come to God and then he can be proud of me. That's wrong thinking. That's not God's economy. That's not the way he works. That's not kingdom of God. That's not being violent to take it by force. Oh, he's such a good God, isn't he? And then take that word and then think about submit. Now we got draw and cleanse. Okay, got those things in the next verse. Don't ever believe. Don't forget the humility, the submission, and the draw and cleanse and these things that we're doing here, okay? It says this, this is hard, okay? How many people like joyous times? How many people like to be happy? In the good times, and you know, we can do things together. And I said, like, "What? Well, this is awesome!" You know, and this is this is. And so we're like, God, you want me to be happy? Anybody hear that before? God wants me to be happy, <laughs> happy, 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 happy. Awesome. So He wants me over here, right? And people will even make decisions based on this feels better. I like this over here. So God must be happy with me. I mean, He wants me to be happy. Anybody hear that before? Okay, figure out this scripture. This is pretty hard. I, I, I'm thinking that, you know, happy camper is a good thing. And here's what's difficult. When you're in the Father's arms, and he's teaching how to cleanse the sins, purify your hearts, he reveals things. And here's where he reveals. You're laughing with the world. You're laughing with the world. And your joy is not my joy. The joy you have is temporal. Your joy is about happy things. That's not my will for you. And I'm telling you, God doesn't want us to be crying in a corner and mourning. you got to understand this scripture is powerful. If you open your mind right now in your heart, this is a powerful word. Because in this is closeness. In this is intimacy. Have you ever went to someone in need? And they were in a bad place, and then you felt yourself mourn? Have you ever been there moments when a person is going through a difficult death in the family, and you find yourself mourn? What does that mean? See, the mourning of God has something. It's not this, oh, I'm sad, and I'm not happy. There's no comparison to the happy of the world. It's just this place that you feel, ah, oh, it's inclusion, it's family. One person hurts, we all hurt. You can't understand that scripture unless you understand this. You see, there's something grieving and mourning and weeping 
There's turn from laughter to mourning. It's to the joy to gloom. It's not, it's the world's way to encapsulate. It's a world, it's the lie to you. It's the way the world's gonna say, no, this is what you need. You need to be happy here. You need to have joy. The joy I can give, the world can do for you. These things are good for you. You see, this is the lying spirit. And God has good things for you. Woo! <laughs> He's got much better things for you. But you're caught up in these moments. Be honest with you. They're caught up in these moments of happiness, and they're not. It's, it's worldly happiness. But when you're in closeness with God, and you're in that place where he says, draw close to me, and I will to you. He's got you in his arms, and he's helping you cleanse those sins, and he's purifying your heart. And you have those moments. He's going to start to reveal to you those things that have drawn you away. Those things that you think you need in your life, and you don't need them. He's got something much better. He says, if you find yourself mourning on the things I mourn for, the things that I'm sick about in my heart, those who are lost and confused, that evil man needs me. You see, he draws you to not to resist an evil man. He draws you to resist the devil. And you start to see things going on around you that you feel mourning to. And you think this is where his spirit is. He's drawing you unto a place to help somebody, to be an encouragement to somebody. You see, that's when God would do his kingdom work through you. You've got purpose and reason. Yeah, I'm mourning, but I have purpose. I'm mourning right now. I don't understand why I feel, but he's drawing you to someone in, in desperate need of him. You see, you have to be in a place not to be confused with the joy of the world. Because that is tempting. But in the Father's arms, in those moments he draws you close to you, those moments that you feel close and intimate, then he can expose these important things. And it doesn't feel like you're losing anything. It doesn't feel like you're going to be, well, I need to mourn. Read it correctly. He draws you to his heart, the heart of God. He's a father. He's a good, good father. You see, that's why it's so powerful to know this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will. What? What will he do? See, it goes back to the word humility. It started with it, and it ends with it. If you can humble yourself and submit to him, draw close to him, and cleanse your hands, and purify your hearts. You see, in that process, you're in the Father's arms. And then, then he can expose you to those things that have tried to take your mind away from him. Those things that you thought were good. I'm going to chase after. He says, don't do that. Come here. You know who I am. You know me. I have you. I'm your Father. And guess what I'm going to show you? My heart for those things around you. And in that moment, you have purpose. You're like, boy, this is what God is doing. And then those things you used to think were happy things are like, ah, ah. Purpose comes, you see? Purpose comes. And then you find yourself, humble yourself before the Lord. Comes right back to it. And what's he say? I shall what? I shall exalt you. I shall lift you up. Where you think you're low and down here and you're distant from me, I shall exalt you in all men. I shall exalt you in places that I've planned for you. Your purpose is going to be revealed to you as I exalt you in ministry, whatever God has for you. Isn't that good news? We start with, a, oh, I don't know if I can take this. He says he's going to turn my joy to mourn. He's going to change my happiness and things I think are good into places of, of this sadness. And it's not at all that, is it? 
That's an amazing word, isn't it? How is that going to change your life today? When you walk out of here, what are you going to embrace? You're going to find yourself embracing things that hurt the Father's heart. Those things that God wants to see done in his world. You're going to find out even a friend that you knew for years. All of a sudden, God's going to reveal something to you because you have his heart and not yours. And all of a sudden, something's going to make sense. And you're going to say something to that person. You're going to start to see a change. And you think, God, you're so good. He says, yeah, I had to take those things out of your mind that were misguiding you. And it's only when you draw near to me and I to you that I can do this. Isn't he a loving father? Isn't this a better better plan than ours? Even if he takes me to a place of mourning for someone, isn't that better than being a, a thing of the world disguised? That I was deceived in thinking that he was in it? He wasn't, but here he was in the least of these. Wow. There comes purpose. Can we give him praise for that? Isn't that the kind of father you want? A kind of father who disciplines his own children? But he doesn't discipline from a distance. He disciplines when he holds you. <sighs> That's kind of how I want to be to my kids. I, I, I don't want to discipline my kids and them not understand. I want to discipline them when I have them close that I can speak directly and, and they can know my heart. I don't like to discipline my kids. Does anybody like to spank their kids? Of course, my kids are older now. (laughs) I still threaten them with that. I said, I'm still your dad. I can still whoop you. I can still whoop (laughs) you. It doesn't work much, though. They kind of laugh at me. They know I wouldn't. But I never liked disciplining them. I never liked it. My daughter could do, (laughs) I have to bring it up. She says, you never talk about me. I don't want to talk about you right now. My daughter was so good at this. When it was time for her to get a spanking, which she had to get once in a while. She's a good girl, isn't she? I'm so proud of her. But there was a time that I had to use a spanking. And we used all kinds of things, like a spanking spoon. And, you know, not all kinds of things, just a few things. But <laughs> a few, just two, really. <laughs> she had her weapon and I had my weapon. Mine, my, well, anyway. But anyway, it should never be your hand. Let me just tell you that. Don't spank with your hand. Do not, young people. Spank with your hand. It causes confusion to a child. Don't do it. Don't spank with your hand. Use a rod of discipline. Okay, the Bible says rod. It doesn't say hand. Please don't do it. But anyway, she's got this plan, and I, it's so funny. When she, and then she has to get spanked. So I said, honey, you know what you have to, and she, like, then she comes up with this plethora <laughs> Of things like what that is, just give me a chance here. I could explain everything. You, you just don't, you don't understand. And she would just go on and on. And I, there's times I had to turn and laugh. It's like <laughs> because it's so genuine. I realize now, it's kind of like me. Kind of like, Father, give me, give me. But why don't we do this? Why don't we do what the Word says? Let's humble ourselves before a father, loving father. Why don't we submit ourselves to him? Trust in his ways. They're much higher than ours. Let's submit. Let's be obedient to his ways. Let's draw near to him. Let him draw near to us. Can we do that? Why don't we 
allow him to cleanse our, our hands. Help us to cleanse our hands of sins that are honestly, we know everybody's life. Let's just let him do that. And then let him purify our hearts. And then can we do this? Can, can those moments, can we open our heart and say, God, even now, show me those things that have distracted me. The things I called good, and they weren't. The things I thought were good for me, and they weren't. Can we do that too? And then, on top of that, because he's a loving father, he's going to take my moment of exposure and then allow me to feel what he feels and allow me to do things according to his will, not mine. And then I find myself making differences in this world. I finally become a man of impact on people that care, you know, that he cares about. And then lastly, I'm going to let him exalt me. Not that I deserve it because I'm humble, but he shall exalt you. I mean, that's perfect discipline right there, isn't it? That's perfect discipline. Father, I thank you for this word. Even though, Lord, it's a difficult one in James 4, we can find ourselves going, well, I don't know, Lord. But, Lord, let's, let's allow in those precious moments, I've got to believe that you've got some good things. You want to exalt every person in this house today, every single one. You want to exalt them. But, God, we need your help. And, Lord, you show us how to do that. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to submit unto you. We're going to draw near to you and you to us. We're going to cleanse our hands. We're going to purify our hearts. And, and in that, Father, you're going to show us your heart, and you're going to allow us to feel what you feel. We're going to be those kind of avenues, those places, Lord, that you have sent us. We're going to have purpose and reason for why we're here. And, Lord, then you exalt us. Lord, I don't understand in the heavenlies how that works, but you do. I'm going to trust you, Father, in the work you're doing in my life. Lord, continue that good work in me. You, ask, you say it in your word. Lord, I'm going to ask you again, cleanse my heart. Continue that good work in me, that I may walk according to your goodwill. Lord, your amazing Father, I don't deserve any of it. But because I said yes to you and your son Jesus, then you allow me to have this in my life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we start... I'll be honest, after worship, I had no words. I couldn't even explain um, what I was feeling. At, here, Jade. I couldn't even explain what I was feeling at that time. I just felt this heaviness, this sadness, this... Um, and it all made sense then, as he started preaching. It all made sense. And I looked up faith, and it says complete trust or confidence in someone or something as a definition of faith in just the general definition. And as I was up here, it was like the Lord brought this heaviness, this mourning, this sadness upon me because I felt like there's a lot of people in here that right now do not have that complete trust or confidence in someone of God, that there is a lack of faith in who God is in your life, and it all started coming together then and making sense, and all I could do was pray in the spirit at that time because I didn't even understand what the Lord was impressing on me, but I had such a heaviness and such a sadness that I just wanted to weep, and so... Today, 
I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that if that is you today, if you can honestly say that your life is no different saying that you are a Christian or saying that you have a, a belief in God, then that's you today.